Hi, I'm Claire Hooper. Bron and Claire have let me do my own ad for my new book, Princess Benjamina Has a Very Cheeky Bum. It's really cute. It's in bookstores now. Uh, okay, I'll let you have the girls now. By the way, Bron and Claire, they are super hot, super wise, super smart. I love them so much. That was part of the payment for the ad. Fun fact about Claire Hooper. When Hoops was eight years old, she took to writing a story about horses where she delicately illustrated each page with detailed shading. (laughs) The story got particularly interesting with the sentence, that night they made a foal. And she carefully drew a picture of two horses laying next to each other in a human bed. (laughs) Romance has always mattered to Hoops. Fun fact of all time because it's so weird. <laughs> it's not weird. It's just a, it's just a beautiful romance, oh, horse romance. Yeah, and um, and on the pa- and and also on the exact page where they're um tenderly caressing each other. Like how do you like how they're face to face with all their like? And I've drawn a blanket over them because I'm like I don't know what to do with all these legs, right? So just, <laughs> Cover them with a blanket, but you just see one little hoof caressing the other little hoof over the top. Anyway, we do we do have a picture, and it's actually the best thing I've ever seen. And I I just don't know why you didn't write fan fiction as a career. It's <laughs> really good. This one's about far lap. <laughs> and I want a hoof in the face when I'm having sex. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they actually, um, he actually introduces himself to her on the exact same page where they're making love. It's like, whose name What's was Frank, name? by the way. Like, that's what it says on the page. Because that's sexy. That would have got her over the line. Sexy, of course. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Good Sheilas, the podcast that will turn your stomach and warm your heart as we reflect on what makes all of us tick. I'm Bron, a comedian. And I'm Claire, a human rights lawyer. And we're long-time friends, short-time mums and lifetime dickheads. Each episode we tackle something in the media as well as something in life that's kicked us in the guts. So strap yourselves in, mongrels, and get ready for Good Sheilas. Hello. Hello. Oh my god, we've got a special guest. Who? Oh who is it? It's me. Don't even introduce me. I love it because I mean, I'm always slightly disappointed when you have a special guest because I'm like, yeah, yeah, they're great. But I'm here to hear Claire and Bron. So I cannot wait to think of all of your listeners doing the same thing to me. I'm so sorry, everyone. I'm sorry. I'll let them speak heaps. No, it's like, this is, everyone is sick to death of us, yeah, surely. Exactly. Do you think? Oh, yeah. All yeah. right. I guess it's, yeah. Okay. 100. Uh, Okay. And this is the second time, Claire Hooper, you've graced us with your presence and we're so grateful. We're so grateful. Also, don't you have anything better to do? Yeah, yeah, I do heaps, but I don't want to do that. I've been tidying the house all morning. It's disgusting. I'm so sick of it. Yeah. So everyone knows Hoops, but she's magnificent, right? She's a comedian. She's a telly star. She's a radio star. She's, everyone loves her. And now what have you done? You've gone and written a book. Yeah, she's gone and written. A what book. a beautiful introduction to my special mm. work! I did. Um, yeah, I wrote a kids' book, but of course yeah. I did. I mean, I can imagine you guys have both been very close to doing that 
for the last seven years. You, like, mm. you know, because you, when you're reading a lot of books, you get ideas for books, you get mm. opinions on books. Like, so I, yeah, I just, I couldn't help it. <laughs> Good on you. I actually don't think I've ever thought you, about a kid's book. Right. You have, you have, Claire, but I, I, do you know what I love doing is I love reading a kid's book and saying what was shit about it yeah, like, it's just they're so exasperating as well it's like where spot he's under the rug you dipshit you can see his tiny paws it's just they just lack nuance yeah and the, that rhyme was so shit why did they use that word yes. idiots yeah yeah i mean yeah. i think i don't think i don't think there's meant to be much nuance guys like you know we're talking about tiny dumb humans you know like they don't mm. want it to be too nuanced do they i don't i don't know but also but yeah look as the parent when especially when they hit on a favorite book and it's not your favorite book and it keeps getting pulled out at every bedtime and you like and you come up to the worst rhyme in the book and every time you like turn the page and you're like this page you know and you have to like somehow set it on fire enthusiastic (laughs) about this terrible terrible bit of the story right yeah yeah i have chucked books out favorite book like what was your Brian what was your favorite kids book before Claire's new book obviously I see what you're saying and we will yeah we will definitely (laughs) reveal Claire's new book soon the suspense is must be killing everyone but I will talk about my children's literature for a bit um (laughs) it is um there's this one book that I love because the rhyming is good and it's not famous and it's something about I can't even remember what it's called but it's about a boat and I just remember so much of the rhyming and I it was when I had to read it to Olive uh before she went to bed and it was like the thing that was like the checkpoint before freedom and so I would read it and every rhyme was good and I knew what the next page was going to be and she liked it because it was predictable and it was elephants doing exercise in it and everything about it was satisfying and then it would finish and I'd be like that book is the best book I've ever read including adult literature so (laughs) I, I think I think that that one has a sentimental moment for me um and also because the rhymes all worked mm, yeah tricky. what about you yeah and also there were heaps of animals in it which hoops you, will expl- you probably have opinions <laughs> on animals in books i love animals in books i'll tell you what's yeah. good about animals in books it gets you around issues of um appearance and race and mm. you know like I, there, there were actually processes in like deciding on the illustrations for my book where I was like I wish I'd done animals yeah. because you're having little you're having big robust conversations around well what's too skinny and what's too pretty and you know what I mean and what color should her hair be and those yeah. conversations are really important but if you make it teddy bears it doesn't matter you know exactly. like everybody's the same well everyone's a different color when you're a teddy bear yeah and it's not, and it's, and it, there's no kind of, there's no political dialogue that's attached to that. It is just like, of course, there's a brown teddy bear and there's a white teddy bear mm. and there's a black teddy bear. And it's not saying where they're from. It's just teddy bears all are born different colors. Yeah. We all know that that's science. So it's, so when I, I remember going for lots of walks with you hoops in the time that you were writing this book and oh, well, maybe not writing it, but like coming up with all of the illustrations. And I was wondering if you were going to talk about that today, but uh, how you were really pushing for it to be as diverse as possible because kids notice this stuff mm. and kids know when they're when they're either represented or underrepresented, they pick up when they're not there in a book. And yeah, I, I, yeah that's I wonder... interesting. Do they? Know, I mean, do they notice or do they just 
absorb it or do they just yeah i i wonder if it's uh, i wonder if it's even more sinister that they absorb it rather Mm. than notice it if Mm. they noticed hey i'm not in this book that would be more significant but i think they just take on the message that they are Mm. not the center of stories which is even yeah far worse isn't it I was thinking about that with with Bluey the other day. Have you guys noticed that, you know, everyone loves Bluey, but, like, the healers have babies with the healers, the Dalmatians have babies with the Dalmatians, the Golden Retrievers have babies with the Golden Retrievers. And I had this moment where I was like, Claire, don't get so stereopolitical over dogs. And then I was like, wait, does that matter? Does it matter? Well, it's not the way real dogs work, is it? No, um, they'll do it with anyone, like your horses. (laughs) I wonder if, yeah, that's right. They can can have just met, man. They don't care at all. They don't even ask his name. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think we ever find out her name at all. I will find out later and I will get that information to you. Okay, that's a really good point about Bluey, but also I bet that conversation was had and it's really... um, Gosh, I, I can imagine that it's about making sure in the speed that these seven-minute stories move mm. at, you can identify who's with who. Ah, that's, mm. that's a good observation. You know, like that that kid needs to return to that family. You know, like, but I, I, I get what you're saying. Hopefully, I mean, they'll probably do better at that. But also you wouldn't want the episode where everybody's talking about the Dalmatian that got together with the Schnauzer. Like exactly. that would be a, that would be a gross yeah. episode. So I don't know what, I don't know what the answer is. Because, I mean, initially I was thinking how good is Bluey in that, again, you're like avoiding the issue of race, aren't you? But you're mm. right. They're all really um, sticking to tie. So it's time to boycott Bluey is what we're saying. No, oh, you can't no, please don't. don't because it ruins Bluey, Claire. <laughs> because, okay, so maybe Bluey doesn't have enough multiracial couples, but I think that's outweighed by the tremendous amount of good it does. Yes, absolutely. We'll forgive you this time, Bluey. We won't vote on boycott you today. Not today. <laughs> we did. So I will. I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna tell people because we're gonna do this at the end. But I want to do it now because uh, so Hoops's book. So it's called Princess Benjamina has a very cheeky bum, and I uh, what like we've talked about already how you've had to push past like all of these. Like, you're trying to push past like what make what is pretty and what is not pretty and what is like what a girl's supposed to do and what a girl's not supposed to do and what a bum's supposed to do and what a bum's not supposed to do. So Hoops, can you tell us just um, what what is what is this amazing book about yeah okay cool well um I mean really what it's about is uh I just I remember as a kid and I've seen it in my kids that lovely little lesson that you've got to learn about how just impulsively shouting what you see isn't is can be hurtful and unhelpful so mm-hmm. it's like I, I remember the urge to point out when, when I was little at a supermarket, the urge to point out something about a woman's physical appearance and then going, oh, that's right, that would hurt her feelings if I said that really loud next to her. I remember having that thought process as a kid. It's like one of my earliest memories and I've certainly um, I've seen it in my, I can hear a cute little dog barking. Yeah, whose dog is that? It's Bluey. Boycotting Bluey. My lawn, Louie. I don't have a dog. I'm it's so someone, someone's across the road with their dog at my house. I'm very sorry. And oh. we will edit it out. Please don't. Please don't edit it out. Do I love doggos. Um, <laughs> um, we were on the project last night and I fought so hard to play an incredibly boring video of a doggo because I'm like, we just need a dog in this show. And everybody, <laughs> like the, the kind of head comedy writer was going, "Do we?" he had his head in his hand he's like but nothing happens in it I'm like we're having the dog anyway 
so let's keep the dog. The point is, the dog is wrapping me up. I was going into a very long-winded explanation. No, the, I have this, your the story is about a princess, and she's basically a well-behaved princess, but she is saddled with this bum that shouts mm. rude things at people. Mm. Um, and so it's it's an interesting one because it's just something something I've observed in little kids, something that I remember from myself, which is this thing, this impulse to shout things that might hurt other people's feelings. Where does it come from? Why don't we? And we still get it as adults. Like sometimes we want to tell somebody that we think they're stupid, you know, and we want to yell at people in traffic. And I um, and so it's. It's, a, it's actually a bit of a really interesting fine line because I, um, I feel like, and I'll hopefully be able to write a second book for this, which is Princess Benjamina has a slightly upset tum, which is about her trying to, her stomach's voice is too quiet for her to hear, so she has to teach it to speak oh, up. Because that's excellent. Because um, the, bum, the bum voice is the bad, impulsive, hurtful voice. And, um, mm. and I think we all have it in us. And, I mean, the resolution. I'm so sorry to do a spoiler for my own book, but the resolution <laughs> is the bum just needs a friend. She meets another kid with a noisy bum, and once they make friends, the bums get someone to talk to. So I'm definitely not saying you need to shut up. What I'm saying is you need to find a great outlet for all your thoughts and ideas so that you're not just shouting things in the middle of a shopping centre or a party, or a, you know? Anyway, whatever. Yeah. It doesn't... Do you know what? The lesson is not really important. It's just funny to see a princess whose bum's yelling things mm. loudly in inappropriate situations. And yeah. I, and, and I love kids. this book. is just so... It's it's when you... The art's really, really beautiful, but looking at it, um, it's so inclusive. And, and Bren and I were talking about it Um uh, it's just as beautiful how representative it is. Like you know, there's there's no there's no kind of normal. And often kids' books have you know a normal kind of you know character, and they're the they're the homogenous kind of white attractive person. And then you have you might have like one person of color or one person who has a disability just kind of chucked in there. But but yours is it's just it's just a beautiful diverse book. It's really representative, and and I really loved that. That mm. is absolutely due to you. Like there was, uh, I mean. It was already a conversation I'd had, but I remember showing you, lovely Claire Marshall, early days, some black and white sketches of the art. And I remember you saying, can you fit more in, like suggesting more to fit in. And and I went back to the, you know, went back to the publisher and said, can we get, you know, like, can we get a same sex couple at the ball? You know, like, because this is not, this is not a real historical what? work. <laughs> like this doesn't, this doesn't have to look like a palace a palace ballroom of 100 years ago this is a lovely fantasy i'm so sorry bron um that was just so perfect (laughs) anyway i don't understand but but you know what you know what there is there's always there isn't um you look you know you you look at your fairy tale books which i always loved as a kid and my kids really like they really reach for them as well but you look at those pages and penny has said out loud why are there no brown-haired princesses? Like, she's that's a tiny... That is not even diversity. That's a tiny thing, but she still has noticed that there's just this golden-haired thing going on. Yeah. But then you look at a ballroom scene and everyone is basically the same age. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, can we just have some more... Can we have people of a range of ages in the ballroom and a range of, like, a range of races? You, it looks... There's a lovely, um, there are two men dancing together in the background and one of this. I really hope it doesn't, I hope it doesn't look tokenistic. I just wanted it. I wanted it to be a nice rich tapestry in the background of every page. My favourite, my favourite kind of background is is the the older couple dancing. 
I just it really touched me. It was just it's that's like it's really warm and loving, and I'm like, huh, you just don't see that in kids' books. Mm. Just that that representation, like they're either grandma or grandpa, or they're invisible. Yeah, yeah I feel like they. I feel like in a lot of stories, you get an old person in the story if you need someone to play wise or mad. Mm. You know, like yeah, <laughs> and I just and they tend to be called they tend to be called a witch or a granny or a granddad. Like I kind of feel like people get named they get they get named according to their relationship to the central character yeah. rather than whatever. I mean, like that's that's a boring thing to say but you know like I'm kind of sick of people being called grandma and granddad I want them to be mm. given a name you know what What's I mean this is actually yeah. a lovely lead into um we, you know we, we we planned the podcast beforehand and we were gonna maybe we'll switch topics around because we you know with older we, we, we want to talk about ageism and I think you've you've hacked on a really important point there Claire that um I think particularly with women, when you're an older person, um, you are kind of subject to these ideas of like you are the supporting character, you're no longer central in anybody's story. And like, mm. and I think, you know, like you get your kind of headline moments when you're younger, like, you know, you get married, you have babies and so on, and you, can, you get to be kind of central. And then you just end up being kind of helpful and there, but not in focus. And that's very much kind of in, in you know, like children's stories and most literature and film and telly, like that is how older people are represented yeah it is it is a lot I went um I went on the radio a, a few weeks ago I went and talked to lovely Sammy J who if you're love a, him. if you're a Melbourne ABC radio listener you'd know he's such a divine man and um it was just a comedy segment that he wanted like what's the hill you would die on and I'm like okay I want to see older people on tv and had mm. a had a rant for comedy purposes but man I've been thinking about it a lot lately and I'm like yeah just we, we even talked about it on the project recently because, you know, those Prince Philip pictures came out and everyone had a, had a lovely time making jokes about how he looked like he was dead or, you yeah. know, like... He does, and, yeah. He's you know 99, what? though. What is he supposed He's to look 99? like? 99? <laughs> 99? He's going to... Yeah, that's right. He's try. getting a letter from his wife next year <laughs> and he... Big deal. <laughs> he... But, like, I mean, he did just get out of hospital and he is very old, but also, I don't know, um, and there's nothing. I mean, it wouldn't be right to say he looks so beautiful. Like, that's, I'm not, I'm not hoping for people to lie about it. I just wish it were less newsworthy that a 99-year-old looks 99. Yeah. yeah. And I think that we are so unused to seeing those faces on TV and around, you know, like, we really, we feel like at the end of, yeah, at the end of your life, all your good stories are played out, so there's no there's no reason to tell your stories. And I just think it's uh, like it's a horrible thing. I look at my parents; they're not old, old, but they're older than me. And I think mm. you have to turn on Midsummer Murders to see people of your own age. You know, like you know how mm. weird it is when you have a like a doctor or a, pol- a police person who's younger than you, and you're like, oh my god, I'm older than doctors and police people now. <laughs> mm. Imagine, be, you know, imagine in another thirty years, you like everybody who is important is younger than me and I just it seems like a real shame that you don't get to see yourself reflected back to yourself in the stories Mm. yeah in the stories that are on screen 
I'm mm-hmm. frustrated that I'm not more articulate on this. This is not my area, but it's just become. No, I know an... what you mean, though. I'm I'm thinking about like older characters on shows, um, and the one. Uh, so I think it, uh, there's a show on ABC called Vera, and she is this woman who um, is like an excellent detective, mm-hmm. but she has to like she calls people pet, and and, and um, she's really quite. Even though she's not like particular like a mother herself, she is good at her job because she um, assumes that, like, older lady, trustworthy, Mm. um, wise but caring role. And so her age does matter. Um, But, you know, like, she's often, you know, and but she, like, you know, she's often dismissed by blokes until they understand how important she is as a detective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, but then I'm like, you know, so that's like, I guess the wise one. But then when we have a look at, like you were saying, like they're either, what did you say? Wise or mad? I think Mm. I was thinking about keeping up appearances. Remember Hyacinth? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so she was was that was a ripper show, and yeah. that had a whole so bunch of people of her. I remember, I, I mean, remember just the way she used to blink was just like how she was oh. just she hated I everyone. Did not get it as a kid, and then yeah. I remember when I got together with Wade, and this is not where you'd expect it to come from. He was he introduced me to the idea that it was actually a brilliant show, um, and I was because I'd only ever watched it as a kid, and as a kid you're like, well. I don't, you know, you just don't get the subtleties of social mm. climbing. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, as an adult, it's uh, amazing, a brilliant show. Um, yeah. I, I actually, I mean, like, you're just, you're talking about Vera and keeping up appearances and I realise, you know what, I'm just, like, part of the problem because I'm like, where are the old people on TV? And then mm. the answer is, you're just not turning those shows on, you dummy. Uh, yeah. No, no, I don't <laughs> no, think so. I think, so. I think right. you are right. And, like, when you just said, when you, when you put them into brackets of wise and old, wise and mad, and mm. like the, every time I think about it, I'm like, oh yeah, like you know, like the oh, the lady from um, uh, Arrested Development who just died. Oh, oh yeah. Jessica Walter, yeah, amazing, oh, so clever, amazing. So clever she was eighty, but she was one of the best. She was one of the best like comedic actresses ever. She was so good, but Agreed. in the show she had to be mad, didn't yeah, she? Yeah, that's so. <laughs> she had. True. We had to make fun of how you know how like she was like I guess like a, the American answer to Hyacinth mm, um yeah and and we embraced her just as much as we did Hyacinth because she was unapologetically a snob um and you know her femininity was important uh her like her like her level of control was important but all of those things were made fun of yeah, <laughs> like we, she was the butt of the joke yeah, yeah. Mm. I loved I, I, Grace and Frankie I think was did either of you watch that it was a no, yeah, little bit of bad it. yeah yeah I love that show because it was Jane Fonda and what is her name Lila Tom Thompson she's Lily um, Tomlin yes I said that perfectly exactly she's <laughs> close enough um but what I really loved about it is uh, like just to contextualize I I just thought the people as I got older sorted their shit out and became you know there was a point where you crossed and you became way more kind of secure and self-assured and you knew what your path was and the older I get and the more I kind of grow up with the people around me I see that actually you keep doing that probably until you you cark it right but in Grace and Frankie you know I think they're both in their late 60s early 70s in the show and they're still figuring it out they're still figuring out life they're still they, they fuck up they're very human they have they have massive kind of emotional challenges and social challenges interacting with one another in the world and like that that's I think really revolutionary it was moving away from that old or mad trope even though Mm. I think they're both kind of pitched as both yeah Mm. well that's true yeah that's yeah 
they are they are wise and mad in yeah. that show. Yeah. But yeah, well, look, it's look, it's a funny one. It's you when you do when you read a bit deeper into ageism, people's people have such bias towards youth. You know, like people mm. think of, and I'm I'm going to say things and then not back it up with the actual research, but you can Perfect. find it. Like, We've Google never it, you done find that. It. You know, like. <laughs> People perceive older people as more more costly, less efficient workers yeah. who are slower to learn. People um, people think of older people as more likely to be a burden, more likely mm. to be gossipy. You know, like there are a whole lot of character traits that people unconsciously ascribe mm. to people who uh, I can hear a kid galloping down a hallway. Amazing. <laughs> she went away. <laughs> <laughs> She galloped away. <laughs> Are you sure that wasn't Frank? Frank. Claire, let's have a baby. That's right. <laughs> Isn't it sad? I mean, I've, ri- I've written and published a beautiful storybook, but it's still, it'll never be as good as Harry the Horse. You, you picked um, it, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Harry? Wasn't his name Frank? Frank, was it a Frank. different man? The daddy was, was Frank. Men? Harry was the baby. So they, oh, had, no, they had a baby. Oh, that's beautiful. And the baby's name is Harry. Anyway, <laughs> where were we? The, the, so it's, I mean, like, but this is, this is the same with so many other issues of diversity on screen, you know. Mm. And, and how do you, how do you change attitudes? And unfortunately, representation in the media really seems to help. So mm. what's the answer? You've got someone like Maggie Beer on The Great Australian Bake Off and mm. everybody raves about how wonderful she is. Everybody loves Maggie Beer and it's like, yeah, that's great. So why doesn't every show have somebody older on it? Yeah. yeah. Like she's, she's I'm not, not saying she's ancient, but you know what I mean? Like in the, yeah. when it comes to the average sort of age for hosts and judges. That's true. But she's yeah, wise and we trust yeah. her. And also she's on a cooking show and that is like, uh, and, um, that is like we trust older women with, with cooking. Uh, <laughs> we Ron, do. That is such oh, that's a true. good like, that's like, Yeah, yeah she's, like she's uh, yeah. an impermissible kind of niche. Like she's allowed to be a good cook when she's old, but like we're not, mm. we're not going to invite her on a show about like relationships or sex or the economy. Yeah, like she's, yeah. on her, she's in her little bracket, her safe bracket. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. I don't, so anyway, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, and I feel like these things can never be fixed because there is. I mean, unfortunately, there is the reality that you might become a less efficient worker when you're very, very old. You mm. might move more slowly because of just the physical limitations of an aging body. So, so the problem is some of these, some of these unconscious biases are sort of founded in a real truth about mm. aging, but it also doesn't seem fair that we dismiss older people in our life, consider them not necessarily worthy of a long conversation or a visit or, a, or an opportunity because, uh, yeah, I just, I don't know what the answer is. It, but it does, it, you know, it's, I guess it's like getting women into parliament. It's like, just, just stop um, discriminating against people because of their age and then yeah. people get to see more old people. Uh, I, I don't want to say old people, older people. The more but people have older people, people around right. them, the less people are going to be, you know, are going to discriminate, yeah. discriminate in the future, right? But there's also, this is the younger people as well. Like, I mean, I know that in, um, I've noticed in comedy up here that, uh, in, in Brisbane, there's actually quite a lot of older women who are like really established and really embraced um, and I feel like there's a really different vibe when a younger, not obviously not me because I'm in my mid thirties, but like you know the, um, like the girls in their early twenties, they feel like 
they're really not taken seriously by a lot of the comedians in the room and they I feel like there's more or more for them to prove mm. this is just what I've noticed and I'm wondering so are you if saying that... that this is this one little bubble where it's actually where you actually get more respect for having a couple of years on the clock yeah yeah I love it yeah it's only and it's women, like it's right? great well, I don't know. I think people are just assume that blokes have been doing it forever. Yeah. But women, like women who are new up here, like there's one lady who um, who started after she was 40 and that's almost that's mentioned almost every time that there's anything written about her or a review, review about her. It is mentioned. Like she started after she's 40 and she's this good. Um, but then the younger, I, I feel like the younger girls don't have that kind of like celebration of mm. like and she started when she was 19 like it was like mm. we will wait but also I think I see kind of that's you know, almost backhanded though it's saying yeah you know yeah. she started when she was old and less able to learn and less efficient yeah. you know you know like there <laughs> yeah, is yeah. there is something underneath that mm. that's a little bit sinister uh, totally. let me I mean I want to I want to bring this up because this is something I've been thinking about as well which is I really like the idea of using comedy to champion the stories of older people Mm -hmm. and especially older women and I've noticed and you know Bron I was like playing with that stuff sort of about a year ago trying to trying to just get I don't know just get a bit of like this is why it's good to be older stuff Mm -hmm. in there and I'm still playing with that but there's this Mm -hmm. um a little bit like what we were just talking about there is almost it's almost it's hard to do an earnest bit about older people like in order to make it comedy there's got to be something that resonates about everyone's biases you know like there's got to in order for people to laugh you've actually got to be playing with that perception so I make you know like one of the jokes that I was making that I really like but it really actually if anything is embedding this idea of older people being grumpy and toxic and gossipy is that bit where I'm like um you know, the great thing about getting older is you get better at turning your anger from inside to outside. You know, that mm. bit that, you, that <laughs> yeah, I was never going to do again and Bron, you encouraged me to do. It's so good though. Can well, you it's, it? a bit, um, it's a bit borderline. So, you know, like in my 20s, I'm all like, oh, well, I'm ugly, I'm a loser. And now I'm in my 40s, I'm like, you're ugly, you're a loser. <laughs> that's, that's all the beauties. So, so I'm like, so I put that, you know, like I put that in my suitcase of jokes that celebrate mm. age, but really it's also, like I say, it's also playing to some stereotypes about mm. older people in order to make it funny at all. You know, it's, yeah. I'm just, um, I'm a bit conflicted at the moment because I, I feel like everything that I've written, everything I've, that I've written to make my set have stories about older people in it, everything, it's, it's all actually, like, is it really making people look at ageing in a different way? And I'm not, con- I'm not confident it is. I watched yeah. a new, um, so, so um, Kitty Flanagan has a new show on ABC and it's, yes. um, and yeah, it's, 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 it's hilarious. really, it's so funny, but I was just thinking about that, you know, like he, it's uh, so many of the jokes are about her being old and what she's, she's supposed to be like 47 in the show, mm, which mm. is not old. Um, and like so many, like, it's so funny and it's so clever and it's and like, you start to really care about the characters, but like, um, like that first episode, a lot of the tropes, a lot of the jokes are playing into grumpy old lady yeah exactly like she's getting cross at somebody in a in a in a cafe for having a loud conversation and you know she wears she's she wears brown suits and melts Mm -hmm. into the background and she has no Mm -hmm. social skills and she just says what's on her mind like that's the kind of i I don't know it's it's that that trope but again you're you're probably right you probably probably have to do that to say like hey this is what you see so i guess that's why yeah i mean that's that's my question is 
you yeah. you look at Fisk and it's wonderful and it's putting like it's got a female heavy cast and it mm. is not they're not um they're not old but they're not young either so it's like all right well is it worth it if we're if in some way we're reinforcing some of the stereotypes is it still worth it to at least mm. be telling stories about older people and I think probably yes but it is yeah it's a it's a shame. I guess I guess if you're trying to make a comedy and you're trying to make people laugh at jokes, you've got to be tapping into what people already think. You can't just completely change everybody's mind. Yeah. Well, the same like you could ta- say the same thing for Dave O'Neill. He's almost always has to be like the dumb fat guy who eats yeah. too much. So yeah. he's on that show and he's always he's the lawyer who's always asking where the food is. Mm. So it is I guess it's that thing that com- like hoops you taught me this is you have to make fun of yourself about something that someone, the audience, you have to point out something that you think the audience might be thinking before they can. So it's, yeah, that's and right. it could show just them, be... Show them that they know, show them that you know exactly what they see when they look at you. Yeah, mm. yeah. So every time I get up on stage here, I have to make, instantly make a preg- like a like a pregnancy joke. I have to be like, I know that, I know this is ridiculous that I'm standing here. And then I make heaps of jokes about me being a bad mum because all my ki- my kids are at home. And then and then I'm allowed to then make other jokes about other things. Yeah. But it is – so I guess it, Fisk is her saying, you can't – I know that I'm not 20. Get on with it. Like the mm. – and this – Yeah. It, it, it is interesting. Yeah, I'm not 20, show. so I'm going to have to call myself old, even though I'm not yeah. old. You know, like – Yeah. Yeah. But then again, you feel about aging, Claire? Like, how does it how how does it resonate with you? Man, it's a really funny one because I feel basically pretty good about it. It's um, it feels it feels confronting when you think about how you perceive that age from twenty years earlier. You know Mm. what I mean? Like, as in, so I'll turn forty five this year, and when I think about being twenty five, I would have found that inconceivable. But I didn't have a really strong idea of it. It's just I kind of had a sense of what 45-year-olds were and I don't identify as that. So, um, yeah, so so I guess the specific age can be like um, confronting is too strong a word, but like whatever a half-watered-down uh, version of that is. But, I also, but do you care I feel- what 25-year-olds think about you? <laughs> I think I do I do less than you remember when you were like oh my god I'm not allowed to wear skinny jeans or a side part anymore and I'm like who cares (laughs) who cares what they think like why are we making why are we making young people tastemakers when we like when they say no side parts and we're like oh my god and we center part our hair that day we're saying that it actually matters what they think they know Mm. nothing (laughs) yeah infants do you know what I mean it's anyway um no no I think I'm I think I'm pretty um I think I'm pretty good with it and I feel very, very fortunate to be in a career where like I feel like I live parallel to a whole lot of people whose age does limit their career opportunities Mm. and yet I have found myself a little niche where it doesn't because you do, you know, you can see plenty of examples of women who are 10 years older than me, 20 years older than me still with vibrant careers. You keep working in Mm. comedy and you just keep, Keep positioning yourself and your jokes the right way and you will you will still have a career. So I'm very grateful for that and it means that I can give less of a shit about my age. And yet, mm-hmm. like I say, I'm parallel to all these people who work in acting or even news reading can be problematic. You know, like there are there are industries where you do get whistled out a little bit as you get older. Yeah. 
And I, 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 maybe I'm noticing that more in comedy as well up um, here and everywhere is like, I, I guess people trust, it's, it's that thing of trust. Like we trust Maggie Beer with telling us about food, mm. but it's the same thing as like we trust um, women with life experience to tell us what's funny about life. Mm. <laughs> uh, um, so, uh, and I wonder, so where does that, like in Claire, surely in your industry with like working in law, younger women have a harder time than women who oh, are maybe yeah like you just like it's it's that constant kind of relevance and experience like if you just if you're if you're a young young or younger woman I, I guess I'm still relatively young and you walk into a room and immediately you have to prove yourself you know and I've got I put on my fancy work voice so I've got one and I make sure I look very serious and I make sure that you can't see any of my tattoos and I make sure not to you know just to be you just have to prove that you can can be trusted you change your and, own you know, nappy what did you say? You change your own nappy. Exactly. Do you think though, that there help. is a um, – do you think in law that there's an obligation? You you can be a real, like you said, baller mm. uh, when you're older, but do you think you've got an obligation not to look like a – not to look like a nana? Like as in you can't wear a cardigan, you can't have a tight set perm, you've definitely got to still have <laughs> – like you've got to have a sleek grey bob. And like a suit jacket field. Mm. I mean, the field that I work in, you're kind of allowed to be a little bit more, you know, like yourself and creative. Like, you know, yeah, it's just great. like it's it's a bit of that homogenous Obersgorman vibe in in my field. But in corporate, um, definitely, like you all wear grey. It's all about kind of fitting in and blending in. And but there's still an expectation, for example, that women wear heels, and you know, all those kind of very gendered yeah. um, ideas. Worst. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, it's 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 fun because the yeah the the expectation is that you as you know as a woman behave in a particular way in forms but if you know it's still it's still very kind of like you have to set the parameters yourself like I have to kind of acknowledge my age I have to acknowledge that you know of the other kind of executives in the room that I'm a young I'm a young one and I have to kind of apologize for that and then prove myself because the interesting thing is other women can be quite challenging as well because there's you know that that competition that we're kind of socialized to to have with one another where we look at each other as com- you know competitors and and foes for the same thing we don't look at men like that but in my career it's come up again and again and again that you know particularly older women will be quite hostile um and again it's not it's not I don't blame them for it they've been completely taught to look in the room and find the other woman and compete against them but it can be quite challenging because they're often the one who the ones that call you to prove yourself um but yeah, that, I'm looking one, that is one thing, you know, I, I have lots of kind of fears about getting older, mostly because of my kind of personal circumstances, you know, just the idea of getting older alone is quite confronting, but professionally, it'll be lovely just to get that kind of natural esteem that comes from aging and more trust, especially as like you, you know, your looks, I won't say deteriorate because I do not deteriorate, that is a terrible word, but as mm-hmm. your looks evolve and as you age as a woman, the less kind of young and, you know you know, I guess socially acceptably attractive you are, the more people take you seriously as well as you become invisible. There are so many layers to it. It's so cool. There really are. I feel like, gosh, we've been talking for ages about it and we have We have not yet fixed nothing. It. We haven't we fixed didn't... it. <laughs> I thought that that's what this podcast was about. Yeah, we've fixed we got to things fix in the past. Things. You, have fixed, you fixed so much. So yeah, many things. We should win the Nobel Prize. We're going to Bloomberg. <laughs> but 
<laughs> so we haven't fixed anything. And actually, I think what we've noticed, uh, it, we, I, guess, I guess going into this segment, I think that we thought we were going to be talking about how, you know, the older we get, the more that um, we aren't taken seriously. But I think the conclusion just realized, yeah. is it's actually the young birds who are having a harder time. Exactly. <laughs> we're so important. I mean, this yeah. is exactly no wonder, No wonder they're weeping about side parts and skinny <laughs> jeans. They've got nothing else. Got nothing. <laughs> Desperately trying to get heard. That's but actually a we, really lovely message, something we can fix, right? I mean, like, uh, it's been, I think it's been really, um, some of the most important, like, relationships in, in my life with women have been women who are older, who have taught me a lot and kind of mentored and lifted me up. I mean, maybe that's something to take away. If you feel like you're at a stage of your life, whether it's your career or your, you know, your hobbies or whatever, where you've got a kind of a profound understanding or sense of where you are, maybe it's time to mentor someone or just say, hey, this is someone who's really impressive and really clever and, you know, I'm going to give them a, I'm going to give them a leg up. Yeah. Give them some help. Yeah. The, um, we have, um, uh, we have the next segment that we have to get to you guys and you guys will never shut up. So I will, I'm going to interrupt you. <laughs> no, that felt like a really so, good segue. So easy. Was... We're talking about mentoring. <laughs> how do we bring up our children? So, yes, how do we? And so there's this really great – So and this actually relates to your book Heaps Hoops. So, um, you know, you could analyse it till the cows came home. But the fact of the matter is, is this princess has got a really loud bum who, talk, who asks questions or makes statements that maybe make people uncomfortable. Like, for example, there's this – excellent page where um the princess's mother's made something and the the page goes like this the queen her mother baked a plate of tantalizing tarts but benjamina's bottom shrieked these smell just like my silence and so it's like obviously that is hilarious but we have classic classic classic, (laughs) but it's so good Uh but it is it's so um our Kids are still at this age, so hoops. You've got two kids that are seven and five. Oh, five, yes, yeah, seven it's and five, yeah. And Claire, you've got a two um, and six-year-old, and I have got a five and seven-year-old, and they are all at this age where they have heaps and heaps and heaps of questions. And hoops, I was texting you the other day, and you were saying, "Oh my God, Pen has who's seven? She has heaps of questions at the moment that are really mm. interesting, and." not necessarily always comfortable um for us to you know like and and i I was like oh actually olive's asking quite a lot of questions and edie's got you know five-year-old questions um how do i guess the question is like when do we like when are they appropriate to answer and Mm -hmm. have there has there been a question that penny or sylvia has asked you that's made you go one, I've either never thought about that. Two, I never thought that I would have to answer that. And th- or three, I don't think I'm ready to answer that. So- yeah, that's a really good question. I'll tell you what's difficult. Um, having two little white girls and having, having to talk about anything relating to race because mm. that is... So, you know, like Penny's actually started... Um, sorry, this is on a different topic, but in the same sort of... Um, in the in the same sort of area is Penny's started asking lately how much I earn for my job mm-hmm. and that is so now that's and Wade's like absolutely never tell her because he's like because that will just get discussed yeah so talk and about there's that. nothing wrong with talking about money but between kids in the schoolyard that is not especially if she's if she manages to get the idea that higher amounts are better then that will be so problematic mm-hmm. right yeah. you know what I mean like there's 
Yeah, like as in, if I just don't think she's a mean-spirited child, but if there's anything in her tone that's boastful, do you know what yeah. I mean? Anyway, so totally. um, so yeah, that's that was been one of the really tricky ones, and certainly the few times she's touched on race, we do our best, but it is a really tricky one for me because I don't want her to feel sorry for people with a different coloured skin, and yet I want her to understand that there are things about their experience that are more challenging than hers, totally. and how do I get that balance right with a kid mm. who is beautiful and compassionate but not capable of it's not like you know what I mean like it it, it, not necessarily capable of then retelling that back to her friends in the schoolyard the right way because you know that you know that they ask these questions they get the answers and then they have a long discussion with their friends in the schoolyard and you don't want your kid to be saying things that are unhelpful or toxic to the other kids around them Mm. you know yeah I think yeah, the money one. We I can relate to that one as well. Oliver will be like, "How much is how much was this car?" And I'll be like, "Oh, I don't know. I can't remember." Because I'll say like, "You can't like don't hurt the car." You know, like just it was yeah. Don't, don't scratch the car. It's really expensive. Yeah. It's really, oh, how much was it? I'm like, um, doesn't matter how much it was. I mean, like, is this like well? And then I've, I'll just put a number on it because I don't even know. I'm like, it was twenty thousand dollars or something. Mm-hmm. She's like, whoa, how did you get that? How much money have we got? How much money is in our bank account? <laughs> I'm like, how? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I've no idea. Probably not much. But but I know that if I did, if she, because money is interesting to her right now um, because she understands that it gets her things at the tuck shop she I know that that's going to come up at school I know that she's going to say oh my mum and dad have saved this much money my car Mm. costs this much and they don't understand when it's because like I've I am I'm a big advocate for talking about money I think it's really useful but also I don't think we should trust our kids to get it right. No. Yeah. And it's like, it, but it has to, the really tricky thing that I find it has to go parallel to the conversation about the value of things and like the value mm. of money because mm. Stevie's at the age where she's like, like she'll ask for something I'll be like, no, she goes, you can buy it. It's only $10. And, mm. and you know, like just like unpacking that with her is really challenging because she understands how much something is costs, but she doesn't understand that. Like, and I said, $10 actually is a lot of money. And if I bought you everything you wanted, a, you'd grow up to be a shit person, and B, like I would hadn't have any money left, and so I, t- I you know, in an age-appropriate way, or as best I can, I, I don't. I most of the time I'm not getting quite right. I have to be like, okay, well, you know, we we, we don't always buy things because we have to be careful with money, and you know, mum, mum's mum gets paid from her job, and that's all the money we have, and so we have to be really cautious, and we can't always buy things, and but that just becomes more and more and more questions, and just loops back around to it. But it's only ten dollars, and it's just yeah. it's mm-hmm. these big complex concepts of really hard have you started have you thought about giving her pocket money because we just started and it has changed penny's attitude to money uh, we, we the tooth fairy was their only source of income mm. as of recently um i did i did i did start to encourage her accidentally to have a little schoolyard like black market because she's like oh my god the kids have all got these like particular like, juby lollies they're like apple lollies and they're all really mm. into them in grade one and she's like and I, you know, I, cause I put some in her lunchbox as a special treat and I was like, and, 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 you know, this little kid had a dollar and so I gave, gave her the dollar and she, she gave me the dollar and I gave her the thing and I was like, huh, well, if you brought a whole, the packet of them costs $4. So if you brought the whole packet to school, you can make a dollar each if you sold them. And she's like, wow. And then I had a piece of money and then I was like, what am I doing? Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> I, I can't even think of what you could possibly thought was I right. I think that's yeah. what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. 
Stop and then that. I was like wanting back, and she's <laughs> she's like, "Great, I'm gonna be so rich." And then then oh, I was like, "Oh, I've, I've made a terrible mistake." <laughs> yeah, that's not a. Oh well, we we're on to a different topic now. But yes, we just started doing pocket money, and in the first two weeks, Penny was so excited to have cash that she bought it, she, something she spent it all, and then she she looked at Sylvia's money, and she was sad mm. that Sylvia had money and she didn't. And I just feel like she's done. No, oh, don't feel sorry for her. That was like that's part of it. Yeah, it's, it's a not, teaching it's moment. Not very sad. And then the next week, <laughs> when she got her money, she didn't instantly want to spend it anymore. Oh, now clever. she's now she's looking at it and weighing up options. And so, you know, given that that's the way the world works, she also, it's, it's really interesting. She offered to count the money in my purse and did a really good job of the coins, you know, like the coin jar in the kitchen. Mm. And, um, and I was like, oh, I didn't actually realize you were that good at counting money. And I'm really pleased that the amount, anyway, the point is I'm like, um, we took ages to get around to it, but I'm quite happy that she's, she seems to be, um, tackling money pretty well. Here's a little show that both of you girls might be interested in ABC show called teenage boss. And it's just where they let a 13 year old, um, do the family finance for one month. And it's really, uh, it's really interesting. Like, like, like Penny really loved it. Super cute. Um, we will watch her, but just really, really quickly, we we, we, we have one because Claire, you're so magnificent. We have gone for one million hours. Oh, sorry. Because everybody loves it. Don't say sorry. We're going to get it's, you back. It's about 100. You can just replace us. This is going to be the Claire Hooper show. <laughs> but um, yeah. the one, just to close off, the one I'm struggling with right now is fat. So Stevie is asking a lot of questions about fat. Like she's like talking about, I'm trying to be like, fat is a positive thing. You know, it's a good word. Fat is not a bad thing. We need fat. But also, for our you bodies. can't say it. Like, exactly. You can't I say know, it. You don't I'm call people say, fat. Like, some people are embracing that word. Yeah, so, and you, it's great. We can't. Yeah. But you you can't ever say, oh well, you're fat because that you don't know how they feel about that word. It's like and that it, as a ki- little so kid, it, it would hurt. Yeah. So yeah. Stevie like has been standing in front of the. We've had a lot of, and this is very new. Grade one, everything gets very big and very complicated. Prep was okay, but grade one is like they really develop very rapidly. But she's like been standing in front of the the mirror assessing herself and then be like this jumper makes me look fat and getting really upset about it and i don't know what the right answer is to that like about body it's where has she got that from i don't know because i i I make a point of just being really really positive about my body around her and talking about how strong it is and how it made her and la 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 but she's become quite fixated and it's really hard to navigate as you raise bron it's like making it a positive word but also not a word that you use to describe people it's so it's so challenging man that's just because penny and sylvia still think they look great in everything even if they don't (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what i'm gonna do about that yeah how do you talk about that i just so hard well, with uh, in our house, we uh, like um, Olive said asked me the other day. Speaking of difficult questions, she said, "Why does um, Bupsha, which is her Polish grandma, who's an excellent woman in every single way, she, she said, why does Bupsha keep calling herself fat? If you say that we're not allowed to say that, I'm like, well, it's a generational thing. It's like, but that's she's allowed to say that about herself, and she is putting herself down and." She isn't, and, and then it creates, it's a really, like, now I'm speaking on behalf of Bapsha, and I'm like, I, and, I, and I also don't want to say to, to her, please don't say that in front of Olive, because I because don't want to control yeah, what she says her, about yeah. her. Giving her body. worries about yeah. fatness, yeah. But it is, it's, I think it's, I don't know, I don't, I don't know anyone our age who's saying, saying that about themselves. I'm sure there are, but I think it's really common for women in their 60s to mm. 
make fun of themselves. It's that thing of like, I'm going to make fun of myself before you do. Mm. And so she was constantly saying, well, Babcha can't do that because she's too, she's too big. And she, I look silly because I'm got, you know, I've put on so much weight. And so Olive's really confused because it's everything that we're, you know, the world, all of the, you know, contemporary stuff is teaching kids not to focus on. Mm. There's someone who's really important in her life who's very much focused on that, and that gets confusing. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's so like, tricky. Yeah. So I, I wonder why. I wonder what how to approach that because I don't. I don't want to speak. I don't want to speak for Bapsha, and I also don't want to say, you know, Bapsha shouldn't say that because um, that's undermining someone. So I'm like, oh, just that's maybe. Can you just thinking. encourage Olive to be compassionate? Like you know, like as in. She's not saying it about anyone else, so she's not being mean. But she's being a bit mean to herself. You should, you yeah. could tell her, mm. tell her she, tell her she's not, and she shouldn't say mean things to herself. Yeah, or tell her put, put it in Olive's mouth. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, like, and also, it's but then that's that tricky thing. Like, just saying that calling yourself fat is a mean thing. Like, is again saying that fat is a bad thing, and that's the complex. Like, yeah, obviously, totally. you're, you're like, so Yola's putting herself down, and we know that. But at the same time, yeah, it's it's just so it's so hard because yeah, everything know, you say has a connotation. Yeah, mm. got it. Well, yeah, I did, but oh, gosh, it's really tricky, isn't it? But I think, um, I think if you focus on the fact that Yola is. Um, Yola's saying things in a disparaging way to her, towards mm. herself. And you're right, Claire, you need to say in the same breath, there's nothing wrong with being big or little or any shape, but it, does it make you sad mm. that she talks about herself like it's a bad thing? Yeah. You know, what I, you know mm, like, can you just... Perfect. Yeah. Um, it, gosh, and I don't, know, I don't know about Steve. It's really tricky. I just... Um, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I'd try and say to the girls... Um, I, I just say, I say things like, I love every bit of you. I don't know. You know, like I just try and keep it away from specifics. <laughs> I, I went down the road of being like, I was like, look, fat is so important. We really need fat. You know, it insulates our body and it keeps us really healthy. And she was just looking at me skeptically and I was wearing a crop top and I flopped a boob out. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was like, my boob is made of fat. Like it's, and it's amazing. Oh, and it's beautiful. You're doing and such a good both job. You. But then she looked at me and my exposed boob and she goes, mum, that's disgusting. <laughs> oh no. Oh, oh no! Nailed it. Yeah, Claire's no. making heaps of good parenting so decisions next lately. Next time you guys have a confronting okay. question from your children, just flop out your tip, or tell them oh. to sell lollies to the kids at school. <laughs> so many good things. No one should listen to me. I'm doing a very bad job. Yeah, but who's not doing a bad job is Claire Hooper, and she's got no, this amazing sh- book. Princess Benjamina has a very cheeky bum written by Claire Hooper and the art by Jackie Nguyen, which is absolutely fabulous as well. She's an up, like, up-and-coming illustrator who hoops. I'm so pleased you chose her because um, she didn't, she's the lovely, just... The lovely colour palette, right? Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Everyone should get it. It's it's on sale. Is it from the 30th? Yes. So 30th basically, I mean, pretty much as you hear this, but yes. Yeah, everyone should get it. It's it's genuinely a book that adults will love to read. I I am so proud of you, mate. Not that the, that sounds patronising. It doesn't mean to be. No, it's really it's nice. A it's a genuinely excellent book, and I'm so pleased it came out exactly the way that it did. I mean, I really um, only wrote it to impress you two. Yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> we knew worth it. it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much, Hoops, for coming on. We Thanks. love you dearly. Thanks for love. Love you, mate. Okay, bye. Bye. bye.